As I look at the clock, I was thinking about the story in the Bible where Paul preached so long the guy fell out of the third story window and he had to go down and raise him from the dead. We won't have to do that today, okay? But, lest you become impatient, just remember that. I haven't fallen out of the window and need to be raised from the dead yet. All right, we're still in 1 John. We're in 1 John chapter 5. And remember why John wrote this letter? He wrote this letter because of false teachers teaching false things about Jesus. And in particular, they taught that Jesus was simply a man. God wasn't his father. He was just a regular man. And one day... The Christ consciousness came upon him at his baptism, and then it left him at his death or his crucifixion. That is what the Gnostics taught in John's day. But that heresy, that false teaching is still around today. It is what we generally call mysticism. It's rooted in Eastern religions such as Hinduism and Buddhism. Popular authors like Deepak Chopra have Christianized such um, mysticism by using terms in Scripture from the Bible to make it more mainstream and more appealing to Western adherents, or we could call them victims. Much of this appears today in the form of health and wellness for body, mind, and spirit. Uh, you know, people like Oprah and all of these various talk shows and podcasts and all of these things are promoting this. It has become uh, infused in our culture, so blended in our culture that it's everywhere. And for the undiscerning person, you are consuming this and taking this in and believing things that are actually anti-Christ and contrary to the Word of God. It all seems very innocent, but it's potentially deadly as the New Age mysticism is the same age-old mysticism that denies Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When, if you pay attention and you read 1 John, you notice that the scripture I just read to the kids and the scripture I'm getting ready to read to you, John says if you believe in the name of the Son of God... He, you, you might think, well, why didn't you just say if you believe in the name of Jesus? Because these false teachers use the name of Jesus, and it's the same name, but they poured a very different meaning into that name. It's what the Mormons do. The Mormons have their own scriptures along with the Bible that talk about Jesus, talk about him being the Son of God. But if you actually study Mormon doctrine, you, you realize that they pour a very different meaning into Jesus than what the Bible gives us. This is what was happening, and John was very careful to make sure that the Jesus that we're talking about, the Jesus he's writing about, is the Son of God, that you believe in the name of the Son of God. So there are many today who teach this mysticism and talk about Jesus. It comes under many names, many systems of belief, but it all boils down to the same thing. Man being his own God. This is the same lie that the enemy continues foisting on mankind, the same lie that was in the beginning 
when he said to Adam and said to Eve, you will be like God. So God has testified that eternal life is not found in our spiritual pursuits or in meditating or emptying ourselves and and coming to possess some consciousness. God testifies that eternal life is found only in His Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to make certain that that is the life that we have. This is why John is writing this letter, that the believers would not be deceived and think they have life in some name when in reality they don't. So 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 13, follow as I read the text. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, and I'll, I'll qualify a little later on as to why I let you know that. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we ask again this morning that you, in your kindness, would pour out grace, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, illuminate this word. Lord, that you would, by this word, this powerful word, Lord, mold us and shape us and transform us. Lord, that we would, as you promised, be a people conformed to the image of of the Son of God. Father, we ask this, that you would be glorified in your church. Lord, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So John is giving eyewitness testimony that Jesus is the one and only Christ. He is indeed the true Son of God. Verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So John is testifying to the, to the Christ who came, he says, by water and blood. Giving testimony to the baptism and the death of Jesus. Jesus Christ came by water and blood. This is important. This is an important truth. 
Because it directly opposes the lie of the Antichrist about who Jesus is. Remember, John called those false teachers Antichrist. He said there are many Antichrists among us today. And these Antichrists taught a false gospel, a false Jesus. They taught something that didn't even look like the gospel. Water and blood refer to the baptism and the crucifixion of Jesus. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth, John writes. The water, the blood, and the Spirit are three that agree as one bearing witness that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So John writes, this is he who came by water. At the baptism of Jesus, the voice from heaven came affirming Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It's recorded for us in all the Gospels, uh, in, the, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In, in Matthew three sixteen and 17, Matthew writes, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This voice, the voice came from heaven affirming at the baptism of Jesus in the waters of the Jordan River that this is my Son. This is he who came by water, Jesus Christ, but not only by water, but by water and blood. Jesus came not only by the water of baptism and the witness that he was the Son of God was given, but he also came by blood. He did not come by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood. By his blood shed at the cross, he entered into the presence. Jesus came by blood as the Son of God. Hebrews 9.12 not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Mark fifteen thirty nine. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. So not only in the waters at baptism, but at his suffering and death, Jesus was manifest to be the Son of God. Through the waters of baptism, he was proclaimed the Son of God by the voice from heaven. And at the foot of the bloody cross, he was proclaimed to be the Son of God by the centurion. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. But not just in his baptism and not just at his death, but John writes, and it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Not only by water and blood, but the Spirit bears witness. The Spirit of truth. This is what the Holy Spirit is called. The Spirit of truth. Jesus said, I'm going to go away and it's to your advantage because I'm going to send the helper, the comforter. The Spirit of truth. He will lead you and guide you and bring to remembrance all of the things that I have taught you. John talks about this in his letter here, and he says, you have an anointing, and that anointing is the Holy Spirit in you. That's the anointing you have. That's what you have as disciples of Christ, as children of God, as 
priests and kings unto God. You have been anointed, not just with oil, but you have been anointed with the oil of the Spirit. The very Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And John says earlier, we studied this, you need no man to teach you. And John wasn't saying you don't need pastors and teachers because Jesus gave those to the church. He's saying the ultimate teacher is not what a man is going to convince you of. The ultimate teacher is the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And as you hear the Word, as you read the Word, as the Word is put into your heart, the Spirit of God on the inside of you will teach you, will illuminate that Word and bring that Word alive. No teacher can do that for you. No man can do that for you. It doesn't matter how good of a teacher they are, how much of the Bible they know. There is no human being that can illuminate the Word of God. Only the Spirit of God can do that. That's why when we preach the Gospel, when we, when we go out and we tell people the truth about Jesus, it's not how well you can convince them. It's you trusting that that Word is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and God, in His power, by His Spirit, will cause that word to be effective in the, the hearts of the people hearing. And so, the Spirit bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. John the Baptist, at the baptism of Jesus, saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And he, the Spirit, remained on him. John testified that this is the Son of God because the Spirit did bear witness to the truth. In John's Gospel, he, he gives the account of this at the baptism of Jesus. John 1, 32 and 34, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, that's the Father of Jesus. This is God. God says to John the Baptist, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. He came by water. He came by blood. And the Spirit, who is the truth, has testified that Jesus is the Son of God. The Spirit bears witness to this, that He is the Christ. The Spirit did bear witness when He descended, when the Spirit descended upon Him and remained upon Him at His baptism. The Spirit empowered Jesus to preach and to teach and to perform miracles. Jesus Himself said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It was the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It is the Spirit that empowers the gospel, that makes for good news, for the Spirit dwelling in us gives us life. It is the Spirit that did bear witness when He descended upon the disciples at the day of Pentecost and still bears witness in the lives of His disciples today. The Spirit today bears witness of Christ in the church both in the Scriptures and in the hearts of the believers. There is no greater witness than the truth itself. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. The Spirit is bearing witness to the truth as it is in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit of truth is bearing witness to the truth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There are three that bear witness. 
Now, verses 7 and 8, as I read them from the New King James, may have been a little different in your Bible. If you have an ESV or an NASB, there's parts of verse 7 and parts of verse 8 that are not in there. So if you're not reading from a New King James or a King James, here's what your verse 7 and 8 will say. For there are three that bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. In my King James or King James, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, and there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So parts of verse 7 and 8 are not recorded in most early manuscripts. However, verses 7 and 8 are translated. Whether you have a King James or a ESV, I want you to know it does not alter in any way the doctrine of Christ. The witness of the triune God to the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is clear in the Scripture. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established, Deuteronomy 19.15 says. The Spirit, the water, and the blood are three that bear witness and agree as one that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe the triune Godhead in heaven agree that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They all bear witness. We have a witness in heaven. We have a witness on earth. And God himself has testified of his Son. Verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. So we receive the witness or the testimony of men. If you've ever been called to a, to a court or serve on a jury, you know that, that we receive the testimony of men. John says, if we receive the testimony of men, how much more should we receive the testimony of God? Even right there in the law, we just read from Leviticus. From the testimony of men, we gather the truth. Well, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the witness God that God has given to us his very own testimony of who his son is. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. This is the testimony of God. God's testimony is, life is in Jesus Christ. Life is in the Son, and life is nowhere else. All paths do not lead to God. All paths do not lead to life. There is only one path, one way, one door, and it is Jesus Christ. And that is not just the testimony of of men. That is the very testimony of God himself. And this is what John is writing here. And he says, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. As believers, the Spirit in us bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. It is by the Spirit that we have come to trust in Jesus. So that wasn't my idea to trust in Jesus. That was God's idea. Your trusting in Jesus is the product of God's work in you by the Holy Spirit. 
And it is by the Spirit that we've come to trust in Jesus. It's by grace through faith in Christ that we are saved. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit in us bears witness that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. This is what John is talking about here when he talks about God testifying in the Spirit bearing witness. Yes, the Spirit also bears witness that we are children of God. But that's not the context of this verse. The testimony of God that John is writing about is the testimony of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Remember, the Gnostics wanted to to present another Jesus. And John says, no, there is one Jesus, there is one Son of God, there is one Christ, and you need to make sure that that is the one you're worshiping, that is the one you're following, and that is the one that is the measure of your life, to walk just as he walked, to walk in the light as he is in the light. You better make sure you're walking after the the right Jesus and not a false Jesus. So he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. When we reject the testimony of God, we're making God a liar. Now God can't be a liar because God can only tell the truth. But John is basically saying when you reject the testimony of God, you're calling God a liar. When we reject the testimony of God, we are rejecting God. God and His Word cannot be separated. It can't be. They're one. They are one and they are true. Now think about the oneness of God and His Word. God created all things by His Word, speaking into existence everything from nothing. Jesus is the living Word. Upholding all things by the word of his power, Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is upholding all things by the word of his power. To reject God's testimony is to reject God and to reject his life. This is why those who do not believe God do not have the life in them. Those who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God do not have life. We're commanded to believe the testimony that God has given of His Son. What do we do with the testimony that God has given? Or what we do with that testimony determines whether we have life or whether we are in death. What we do with Jesus as God has testified of Him is literally a matter of life and death. Of eternal life or eternal death. False teachers of John's day used the name of Jesus, but the Jesus they preached was not the Jesus of the Scripture. Guess what? False teachers in our day are no different. They use the name of Jesus, but we need to go to the Word of God and measure everything by God's Word. The Word of God, the the Scripture, is the final arbitrator for all things. It doesn't matter how strongly you feel about something. It doesn't matter how strongly you believe something. Listen, you go back to the Word of God, and if the Word of God doesn't doesn't define it for you, or however the Word of God defines it for you, however that Word presents it, that's what we have to submit to. That is the final authority, is Scripture. And so these false teachers use the name of Jesus 
they quote scripture, you do realize when you read about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness that the devil actually quoted scripture to Jesus. The devil knows scripture. He quoted God's own word in the garden when he deceived Adam and Eve. And they chose to reject the testimony of God about the tree and, and believe the lie from the serpent because they wanted to be their own God. They didn't want God. They wanted control. They wanted to make their own decisions and run their own lives and in essence be their own God. Now most people don't say it that way but actually if you go to the New Age much of the mysticism that's preached and taught today actually that's exactly what they're teaching that you you are a God. Your problem is that you just haven't you just haven't realized your divinity. You just haven't realized your godness yet. You just need to grow and evolve spiritually and the more you do these things you're going to have a greater revelation of, of just how divine and how godlike you are. I mean, that might sound wonky to you, but this is what's out there in the world. Some of it is blatant, but so much of it has been blended into our culture that you can't even discern it if you're not carefully paying attention to what it is you're reading and taking in. There is much testimony concerning Jesus today, but ultimately it is the testimony that God has given of His Son that we are to believe and obey. God's testimony is eternal life in His Son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. This is God's testimony, and His testimony is true. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. And it is in no other name. He who has the Son has life. Life is found in no other, only in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He who has the Son has life, verse 12. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's not any more complicated than that. You either have the Son and you have life, or you don't have the Son, and you don't have life. There's no in-between. There's no, there's no place, there's no limbo we can go to, to to determine ultimately whether we're going to be with Jesus or not be with Jesus. We had what was called a reformation over that whole doctrine. It, I won't go into that. But that's coming up, and we are going to talk about the reformation because... Reformation Day is coming at the end of this month, and it is something we should talk about. But it's no more complicated than that. You either have Christ or you don't have Christ. And if you do, you have life, and if you don't, you don't. We may know, John says, I've written these things that you may know. If we don't have Jesus, this is what the Scripture says, then call upon His name. Seek Him. Jesus said, if you knock, it'll be opened. If you seek, you will find. So if you don't have Jesus, then seek Him. Call upon Him. Paul writes in Romans, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you don't have Jesus, then call upon Him. Whoever believes in Him will be saved. 
Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In other words, John says we can know that we have eternal life. John has been very thorough to make sure that the Jesus we are believing in is the Son of God and not a false representation from false teachers. John is writing that those who believe in the name of the Son of God may know they have eternal life. We are to have an assurance of salvation in Christ. And we are to continue in that assurance as we continue to believe. This is why John says, I write these things that you may know and that you may continue to believe. So John is writing that we may know that we have eternal life and that we continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That eternal life is in the name of the Son of God and we must continue believing in that name. And as we believe in His name and continue to believe, we know that we have eternal life. If you are trusting in Jesus right now, you should know that you have eternal life. And if you're trusting in Jesus right now, why would you not want to continue trusting in Jesus? And if you continue trusting in Jesus, you will continue to know that you have eternal life. This is John's promise. You know, we use this statement that's not in the Bible, once saved, always saved. And that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. I had a person tell me one time, look, preacher, I walked the aisle and shook the preacher's hand so I know I'm saved and I ain't worried about anything else. Now, that person lived like hell. I can say hell because it's in the Bible. They didn't live like they walked the aisle and shook the preacher's hand. I'm going to tell you what, you can walk this aisle and shake my hand all day long and that is not going to save you. You can... Repeat after me all the nice words, and that's not going to save you. Only God can save you. It's God giving you a new heart. It's from that heart of faith, the relationship that you come into in Jesus Christ. And out of that relationship, if you're in relationship with Him, if you love Him and you're trusting Him, then why would you not continue that? And this is why John is linking our faith in the name of the Son of God to our continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God. If you do that, you'll always have assurance of your salvation. And if you're not trusting Him, if you're having second thoughts and you decide you don't want to trust in Jesus, you should question your salvation. Rightly so. Does that make sense? So to believe... To believe is not just having mental assent or an intellectual acknowledgement of Christ. Though in faith, we renew our mind and we are to love God with all of our mind. The Bible teaches us that. Faith is from the heart. It's not from the mind. Faith is the gift of God that grows into a relationship from the heart, transforming the entirety of our life. If we have faith in our heart, that faith should transform our life in every way.
We believe from the heart in relationship to him. And to believe in the name of the Son of God is to walk in relationship to him. It is to live and move and have our being in Christ. It is to work as it is to walk as Christ walked, loving and obeying God and loving one another. To say I believe is one thing, to live like I believe is quite another. We are commanded to live what we confess to believe. If we confess to believe in the name of the Son of God, we are to be continuously living like it. In this way, we may always have the assurance of our salvation. Amen? So our faith is not just what I have up here. And it's not just what I have in here. My faith has got to be manifest through my life. It's got to be heard in what I say. It's got to be seen in what I do. Now, I'm not saying that it always works that way. You can ask my family. I'm, I have lots of imperfections. We were talking last night at, at the table, you know, uh, about, you know, if you don't have the assurance of salvation, then, then you're getting saved every day. I mean, there's some people who believe they lose it and have to get it back every day. And, and that's not how it works. But once we are saved, once God has given us a new heart and made us new creations, that newness of His life in us comes out of us just like fruit on a tree. And we all have seasons just like the winter. We're fixing to go into the winter season. And all the leaves are going to fall off the trees and all the trees are going to look dead. But you know what? Spring will come and summer will come and the new buds and the new life will come. Well, our life is similar we all go through seasons where we don't look like we have a lot of life. But if, if we are in Christ, that life is in us. And that life, that season will pass. And life will be seen. And life will be known. That's the beauty of the good news. That when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We confess our sin and He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not so that we can go sin again, but so that we can walk as He walked. And walk and live in the light as He is in the light. And give glory to His name as we are called His people, His body in the earth. Amen? Each week we come to the table, we give thanks to God for the Son of God who gave up his body and poured out his blood, that we would be saved. Each week by coming to this table, we affirm that we believe in the name of the Son of God. And in that affirmation, we live what we confess we believe. When you come to this table, that's what you're confessing. That's what you're proclaiming. You come to this table because you are proclaiming faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're not trusting in Jesus, then this table is not for you. So trust in Jesus. Turn to Him. Repent. And trust Him to save you. This is why it's called a table of thanksgiving. Because none of us deserve the salvation He's given to us. It's given by grace. 
And there should be an eternal thankfulness in our hearts for Jesus Christ and what He has done to redeem us. So Christian, welcome to the table and welcome to Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Believe in the name of the Son of God and live. That's what God commands. That's our charge. That's the commandment. Reject the lie in every way. The age-old lie is for man to believe in a process of spiritual evolution that comes through growing in some special spiritual knowledge. This spiritual knowledge is the path that leads man to become his own God. It is man's quest to become like God. That is the lie, and that was the lie from the beginning. There is not some special spiritual knowledge laying dormant within us. There is not a spark of life somewhere buried deep down inside of us waiting to be awakened by the right knowledge, by the right incantation. We are not gods who have simply forgotten our divinity because of our humanity. This is the lie that goes all the way back to the garden. This is the lie people are spending billions of dollars on trying to help themselves and improve their lives. And it's all a lie. The truth is that salvation is from the Lord. We are sinners dead in our sin and in utter darkness separated from God. There is no divine life in man though we bear the image of God. There is no life in us waiting to be awakened or to evolve, to evolve into, to become a God. Our only hope is the grace of God raising us from death by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our only hope is for God to plant the seed of faith in our hearts and grow it by grace into the glorious fruitfulness of the Spirit. We cannot save ourselves. Only God can save us. Only the power of God residing in the gospel of Christ has the power to save us. This is the message the world needs. This is the message the world is desperate for. They are seeking every place imaginable, but they're seeking in the dark. They're blind. They're dead. And they're not seeking after God. They're seeking after themselves. We need to take the gospel to break through that darkness by the power of God so that they can see that the one they need to seek is not themselves. They need to seek God. They need God. For He is our only hope in life and in death. Amen. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. Have a great day.